from a cozy sound booth in downtown Chicago that's honestly more like a closet the more I think about it. It's the American Soccer Show. Eric Alcantar here with Emmett McConnell, and we're here to talk all things soccer in America. We're here on a Tuesday this week to make up for all of our late night uploads, and the European leagues are heading into the home stretch. Plus, we had El Clasico, so there'll probably be a little more Europe this week than most weeks. How do you feel about that? Given all the action that's been going on in Europe, I'm okay with switching it up every once in a while, but it is the American soccer show, so I have to keep at least a little bit of the uh, MLS action in. But, okay, you know, El Clasico is a pretty big event, even in America. Yeah, I would say I would agree with that. I also don't appreciate ESPN starting their own MLS Rewind show hosted by Ta- the great Taylor Twelman, who is stealing our thunder and putting us hardworking podcasters out of business. Yeah, we're out here grinding so we can put out this, dare I say, uh, enjoyable podcast. Yeah. And he's out there stealing our thunder. He, thunder. I, I watched it and he's, it's ESPN plus exclusive by the way. So, I mean, I guess no one will probably end up watching it anyway, but I did watch it this week, the inaugural episode. And he was like, Oh, we're recording in a basement here in ESPN studios. Cause no one seems to know about this. And it's like an outlaw production at this point. And I mean, you know, obviously he's playing it up for the camera, but I do find the image of Taylor Tolman sneaking into one of the studios and doing like an hour long <laughs> MLS segment is like fantastic. I mean, I have to assume he gets a little bit more space than we do in this little broom closet. I would hope so, but, you know, TV can be pretty deceiving. It can be, as can podcasts. Yes, yes, they can. So, are you ready to hit the whip around? Yeah, let's hear about, well, I'm okay with skipping Friday and going straight to Saturday. Mm -mm. Nope, we can't skip any games, my friend. So, Toronto FC hosted the Philadelphia Union and blew them out 3-0. I told you someone would win this game. It was a bold <laughs> assumption, and you got away with this one. I Look, they, they had a get-right game, Toronto did. At least I thought so. Because, look, somebody had to win this game, I thought, because somebody was going to, like, get their stuff together and, and win. Like, both teams were kind of, like, miserable. You know, Toronto's coming off the big loss against yeah. Chivas. The and Union then, still haven't really figured anything out. And the fire draw. Well, here's the thing. Yeah, with that's. Toronto. Oh, yeah, with the two nothing lead. Yeah, good point. They, they haven't really had a full week to prepare. This is their first full week to prepare. So they had the Champions League game in the midweek, and then the Chicago game. So now they're fully rested. They got well, not everyone back. Cause they didn't have any center backs. Vanderveel and uh, Bradley were the two center backs. The Union still couldn't score. But I see this remarkable. As kind of, yeah. Well, eh, kind of seems like it's a just a, a day in the life of the Union. It's a return to normalcy for Toronto. Uh, like I said, that there was a bit of a hangover in the fire game. They let them come back and be a little tired by the end. Um, but I, this is probably where we're going to start seeing Toronto climb back up the table and into a playoff spot. I would think that they're going to make at least a good push for it, if nothing else. Uh, as for Philadelphia, ouch. Well, they haven't won. They've back had to, one game back on the road. To Earth. Here's the other thing. So. I was I was reading Philadelphia's like last ten home uh, road wins. Oh yeah, I saw and this it as includes well. Chivas USA. It's the tenth, their last, in the, their tenth. Most recent road win was against Chivas, which, uh, I mean, yeah, they... they I don't think I need to tell anybody what that means. Chivas USA, not even, like, Chivas Guadalajara and some crazy, like, friendly, something fun yeah. like that, no. No, they, they struggle on the road, which was, like, I, I wasn't as disappointed in this one because you kind of knew it was coming. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, well, speaking of things that we thought we knew were coming, Saturday, the Montreal Impact took on the New England Revolution. They defeat them 4-2, and so just as we finally kind of hop on the Brad Friedel New England Revolution bandwagon... The impact, who we've been trashing every week on this podcast, turn it around and win 4-2. And in pretty dominant fashion, all things considered. Because, I mean, those two goals came yeah. in garbage time, if there is such a thing. I, yeah, totally. I mean, yeah, I mean, I still think we have to question Montreal going 4-0 four, four up and then kind of giving New England a chance to get back in the game, right? With, with yeah. in the last, like, five minutes giving up two goals. 
you would think Remy Gard and his team there would try to, you know, say, okay, here's a chance to shore things up, get a shutout, and hold it together. But still a good result in the end. They finally get the win. Like, that's that was what's so important for them. Yeah. Especially at home. And, you know, yeah, the, uh, the manager, like you said, he, he even called out Edwards and I believe uh, Hamill as well. He called he called them out beforehand saying that he needs more from needs them. more. Yeah, and well, now he got it. I mean, we haven't seen uh, Anthony Jackson, Hamill, or Raheem Edwards playing uh, very often for them. They've been kind of bit part players. So maybe it's a thing that was happening in training that he hasn't seen it. But uh, Jackson Hamel did get two goals in this game. And I think for them maybe it was a matter of getting a real forward out there with Mancosu hurt. Well, it's true, yeah. Like, the thing is, I've been seeing the way they've been lining up, and it's been, like, these ridiculous, like, four or five ones and, like, just playing Piazzi up there by himself, which I, I never thought was really going to work. He's such a talented player, yeah. but you're wasting him as a lone striker. The game plan is only to get him 1v1 and defend with everyone else, basically. We, we've seen that in a couple games, like especially the Atlanta game. Which is disturbing, given how many goals they give up. And the LAFC game, yeah. They just, they're like, all right, let's put Piazzi up top and... Let the team do the thing. So maybe maybe we'll see Montreal starting to get their footing back. And speaking of the revolution, uh, Lee Wynn finally gets traded, and it looks like maybe he was contributing more than we know. Who knows? Yeah, maybe he's a little bit of a locker room uh, Even though he presence. wasn't even there, yeah. Locker room <laughs> presence by not being there. Yeah, I mean. And now he's in somebody else's locker room finally. The mojo's gone away. Uh, it could be, but I think we're getting a little ahead of ourselves maybe, with this. Maybe, maybe. Uh, we'll the revolution kind of dropped down. Were they in sixth place now? Uh, they... I don't really. Uh, that that seems like it's a good spot for them to be in, all things considered. Yeah, yeah they, they are start. Sixth. So, um, and we're starting to even out the games played a little bit more. We, yeah, now they started we have a lot of games to ten now. So, yeah, but definitely not as impressive as our other uh, bandwagon pick. <laughs> definitely not. Yeah. So the let's head over to the Hudson River Derby where the New York Red Bulls absolutely destroyed NYCFC for nothing. It was two early goals by the Red Bulls thanks to defensive mistakes and loss of possession by NYCFC. So it was kind of like this weird, like, oh, deja vu moment. Like, oh, we just got scored on, and three minutes later, oh, the same thing basically just happened. Uh, so less than five minutes in, it's 2 nothing, and it's kind of become a running theme in these, isn't it? Like, the Red yeah. Bulls just coming in and completely dominating. I mean, it, it's, there's got to be some sort of, like, little brother complexion, even though they're older, from the Red Bulls, New York City coming with all the money, being the trying to be the talk of the town, the one that's actually in New York City, and then the Red Bulls, you know, trying to, you know, say, hey, you know, we're here first. We, <laughs> we're the New York team. <laughs> we, were, we're we were Metro before it was cool. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, well, to put an idea on the dominance here, the Red Bulls have won seven, drawn three, and then NYFCFC have won the other three. One of those Red Bulls wins was in the Open Cup, but hey. Wins are wins. And it's 26 mm-hmm. goals for the Red Bulls, 11 for NYC. So uh, it's pure dominance. I, don't, I just don't know how else to put it. And let's give some credit, too. The Red Bulls just they, they seem to know exactly how to attack them. And Jesse Marsh, who's, who plays with a lot less money and way less resources, yeah. continually fields competitive teams. And not only fields competitive teams, but he blows the other team in his area out of the water almost consistently. Patrick, he makes Patrick Vieira look like a fool. Well, I think we're getting a lot of ourselves with Vieira and the fool, but... He said he would have he would have subbed 10 players on at halftime if he could. And that, I, now I'm all for the competitive spirit and everything, but doesn't that tell you that he may have approached this game a little bit? I think that's more of, I think that's him just saying his team wasn't good enough. Well, it, it wasn't. I don't think it's him. I think it's more of him kind of calling out his players and saying, you know, you should have, you should be doing better going out there. Who's the one? Do you think? 
Sean Johnson. <laughs> I was going to say, was it Sean Johnson? Yeah, or? I think you can uh, you can get by with a keeper who's doing okay at, <laughs> at worst. But yeah, I mean, we sing Jesse Marsh's play, praises all the time. He really does have a significantly smaller budget, and I, it's just the way he plays. It's and again that like, high press was killing him. Yeah, they're they're an exciting team to watch. Like even if you hate the Red Bulls, they're worth watching. Yeah, at least in my view, I'm from Philadelphia, and that's that's how I see it. I don't think they get enough credit, and you know, we soured on them a little bit. It's because they always choke in the playoffs. Well, yeah, choking in the playoffs doesn't help either. But like we soured on them not being able to score on Chivas, like that was pretty bad. And then you know, again, like the big moments, basically they they come up short, and so everyone's like, "Oh, supporter shield, that's fantastic." Talk to me when you've won a cup. Yeah, I I mean, absolutely. Like they've been around for a while. They still really haven't won anything, but they're. I mean, the last at least the last few years, they've always been in contention. They've always been in the playoffs. They've shown, and we saw against the Fire last year, four nothing against. Nah, we. I don't remember what you're talking about. You never. It was no. in the first playoff game. Nope. Against the Fire, the Fire were the three seed. They were the six. Not seed. a clue. In fact, the Fire always score at home, so I have no idea what that record is about. So anyway, uh, it's. But then they go out and they just completely lose. It. Like they just lose the the game plan the next time out. That's. It kind of seems to be their problem is if the, if they're off the game plan at all. Yeah, it doesn't seem to work out for them too well. Then they're exposed because they're pressing so high. Yeah. Uh, I mean, here's the other thing, too. It, you know, 4 nothing, bad as it was, it was 3 nothing at halftime. It could have been 5 because there were two handballs, one of which for sure should have been given as a penalty because, I mean, it ends up trapped in between his arm and his body. He's basically carrying the ball at that point. And Taylor Twelman is, like, so done with this, like, idea of intent that he literally just on the broadcast laughed and was like, well, I guess there's no intent, though. I mean, he clearly doesn't mean to carry it. <laughs> I mean... Still, though, intent versus if your arm moves towards the ball, isn't that generally in well, it should as always, intent? So it should always be a, a, a penalty if you move your arm towards it, but I don't think you should have to a, make a move to do it. I think you, I mean... If your arm's, it's in an unnatural position and or it's moving towards the ball, right? Is that kind of what we're looking for? You're supposed these to look for it that way. But look, I, I just think that sometimes it's a flawed concept. Sometimes I think if the ball just hits you in the hand... If you're standing next to the ball, yeah, it's one thing. If you've had, like, meters and meters of space to move your hand and it just doesn't move, I'm, you know, I mean, I'm sorry. Like, that's just the way it is. Sometimes you got to call the handball, even if it looks a little bit unfair. I mean, if your hand's right, like, it's in front of your body or it's next to your body, it's, like, glued to your side. It's supposed to be okay, yeah. It should, it I, I'm okay, okay with that. Yeah. I'm okay with if that, but, like... Anywhere else, you're putting yourself at risk and allowing the ref to make a decision like that. And right? the other the other handball, because, I mean, again, I think that that one's pretty clearly should have been a penalty, perhaps the ref showing some mercy. But the, the first one was, like, the ball comes up on the defender. He tries to, like, clear it out, and so it comes up on his body after kicking it, and it comes up straight to his hand. You can argue that... Maybe, you know, the the intent's not there, obviously. And then, you know, so he, he's unlucky because the ball has come up and hit him unnaturally. I'm still with that. It's a penalty. Like, I, it, sometimes it, you're unlucky, and that's just the way it is. That generally, I would say when there are handballs called, they're generally unlucky. I mean, I, mean, I, I fair, would say if you mean to do it, you probably should get sent off. So, yeah, yeah, the only time, yeah, exactly. The only time it's, like, intentional, you probably sent, an intentional handball, you get sent off generally, right? Yeah. So it's, these are all... Almost all situations where it's accidental and your hand just happens to go there, that happens to go away from your body. So I'm, I like to su- subscribe to the view of they were just trying to give some mercy to Well, I, I tell you what, we're showing them some mercy, too. We're talking about handballs in a 4 nothing game that was never <laughs> even close. So, I mean, you know, Bradley Wright Phillips, he scored now on NYSC 11 times. How is he still so good? I don't when know. is he going to slow down? Crowd, never. Never. He, they're going to bring Terry Henry out of retirement, and they're going to put him back together, and he still won't slow down. I mean, yeah, he's like, 
And I, I remember the days when oh he was the lesser brother to Sean Wright Phillips, right? <laughs> <laughs> Look at him now. Where did like, Sean Wright Phillips end up anyway? I th- he was in the Red Bulls yeah, last year. I, I don't they know if he him still in. is. No, he's not. I don't know. I'll have to find that out. Uh, here's a good one, too. NYCFC have conceded three first-half goals three times in 10 MLS games versus the Red Bulls. And they've done it three other times in 112 MLS games versus everyone else. So to give you a real idea, this isn't just NYC not being able to defend. This is like, this is some crazy thing that the Red Bulls just have their number and they just pound them in yeah. the first half. Take it to them. And before they even have a chance to respond, it's like 2 3 nothing. I mean, if you're the Red Bulls, this is your time to do that, right? Like, this is your, this is the, the team that, you kind of have a chip on your shoulder, right? That's kind of how yeah. I see it for them. This new team comes in the city, gets all this attention, has all this money, and you went from being the bigger brother to the little brother somehow. So they like, you know, <laughs> they go out and they like they gotta show them who's boss. And I just don't think NYCFC have that mentality yet. They're still such a new team. And whose fault is that? Patrick Vieira? Perhaps he doesn't instill that in his players. Perhaps he says, Look, gentlemen, it's just another game. Don't let them tell you otherwise. It's only worth three points. That's that's completely possible. But I mean, Patrick Vieira sounds, also is Sounds leading. like it'd be very well for the Arsenal job. Yeah, <laughs> sounds like he'd like he fit right in. Yeah, but, he, I mean, he's still doing great in the league. He so. is, he is, and I'm not trying to take anything away from them, but, I mean, you see this, and it's like, well, okay, is it fair to call them a bit spineless? Like, they come into in the, like this, this? Big, this big rivalry game, and they, they just get flattened, and it's not the first time it's happened. And these players, a lot of them have been in multiple of these games, so clearly it's not even, like, yeah. a new thing. Uh, I don't know. We'll have to get Vieira on the show and ask We should, we should. Uh, it's hard to call it a rivalry, though, like I said, with the Red Bulls so dominant, too. Isn't that it? Yeah, I I still kind of think it's just like, for the Red Bulls, it's the rivalry. and But for New York City, it's almost like they don't see it as the rivalry. That's they why, see it as the annoying, why they don't get up for it. The annoying neighbors over there in Harrison, yeah. New Jersey. Exactly. Can't say I blame them. All right, let's move on. Minnesota United 1, Vancouver Whitecaps 0. So shout out to the official in this one that sends off Mason Toy for his elbow to the stomach of a Vancouver defender. Doesn't even need VAR. I, res- I commend that official. I don't know his name, but the guy, uh, he t- Toy clearly elbows him. In the- I don't even know what he's trying to do there. And so good for the referee. Making the good decisions. Good for every bad toy. Bad yeah, Mason bad toy. toy. Come yeah. on, you got to know they're watching you. So, so even despite losing their striker, Minnesota score after that, and then they keep a clean sheet thanks to the big saves by Bobby, Bobby Shuttleworth. Yeah, and I uh, guess who had one his fantasy team. You did. This oh, guy, but wow. I, I played him on the bench. I didn't, I didn't think he Doesn't it did. fill people in automatically, though, based on uh, Yeah, but I, I had to, no, um, only if they don't play. Oh, oh. Yeah, so I... Who did you start instead? Tim please, Oh, I thought you were going to tell me Sean Johnson. <laughs> No, I actually didn't have any NYCFC players for this week. I did have Kaku. Oh, that's all. Well, there you go. You knew. You knew. Good job. It was a great save, too, by Shuttleworth, the one where he, he like, jumps in the air and has to, like, punch it out. I'm sure that made all the papers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I Honestly, I've never really been that big on of a Shuttleworth fan. I, uh, he kind of struck me as a lower-end keeper in the league, but he's been pretty good with Minnesota this year. Hey, all, and all things he considered. already seems to have displaced... Uh, What's his name? Like uh, you mean your former fire goalkeeper I, before Sanchez? I'm. I, it's coming to me. Lampson. Lampson. Yeah, I would, you know Matt what? Lampson. I kept thinking Lampard, and I'm like, that's not right. <laughs> I, I, you know, I wasn't sure if you were doing a bit here, where like you couldn't remember the game against the Red Bulls, you couldn't remember the goalkeeper at the time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's possible you were right. Yeah. We'll call it that. Speaking of games that people would like to forget, I'm guessing LAFC will probably want to forget their second home outing. They took FC Dallas to a one-one draw. L.A. got off to the early lead, but neither of them was really great in this one. LAFC wasted a lot of chances. 
they hit the bar, they put it wide. Even at the end, Carlos Vela has one where he turns around and he has pretty much a one-on-one shot with the goalie and he misses it wide. Doesn't even put it on target. I, I, I don't know about this one because... Like, LAFC didn't really seem up for it. The fans weren't up for it. That stadium was... Yeah, it was a little sparse. Was... I'm not... I'm, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. It was a hot day. Maybe they were hiding in the shade on the concourse somewhere. It's a nice concourse. So I'm hoping that's the reason. It's the second home game, and we're already starting to talk about empty seats. It's not... Well, let's, mm-hmm. just, let's just say it's not something we've seen in places like Seattle, Orlando, Atlanta, places that pretty consistently get good, good outings. Yeah, so. we'll see, yeah. And it was like in the 55th minute, too, so don't even blame the traffic. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I think in L.A. you can always blame the traffic. <laughs> oh, man. But That's Dallas, once again, doesn't lose. Yeah, hey, Dallas, really. They really hanging the in there in these big matchups. Yeah, I mean, yeah. good result for them. Yeah, on the road, too, yeah. Uh, speaking of Seattle, they drew 0-0 with Columbus Crew at home, which is something I'm sure would be a very disappointing result in most years. And now this year especially must be extremely frustrating. Yeah. Uh, Pedro Santos gets sent off 15 minutes into this one. An extremely dangerous kick where his foot ends up in the face of Roldan. Like, I don't even know why there was an argument. His foot flies straight up in the air. He nearly cleats him in the throat. Like He wants us to play. You got to walk out on that one. You got to just leave. Like, oh, man. And so the crew, they hang in there. And, I mean, they had some pretty good chances. There's one Twelman was raving about where his artist brings the ball down on his chest. And so in the box, and he's almost in the six-yard box when he does this, so he's able to bring it down and then one-time it to his teammate who blows it wide. Some I don't even know how you blow it wide there, but he did. I think you're in the six, you're Jossie's artist. You're your team's center striker. You want him to take that shot, right? Well, no, he would have had to turn around. I'm okay with him passing. Yeah, I mean... Well, the, whoever misses it into the six needs to make it. I'm Someone stunned. I'm honestly stunned shot. he was able to pull it off. His touch is awful. Zardes? Yeah. Craig Berhalter, the magician. It's Craig Berhalter, <laughs> the magician. magician. But yet, he only gets a point here. But, uh, you know, fair enough, right? Good. On the road. On the road, down a man. Hey, yeah, down Fantastic a man. Fantastic yeah. result for Berhalter and a team, Columbus, who hasn't been convincing yeah, recently. They, they had a good start and they kind of fell off since then. And they will lose Pedro Santos for the next game as well. Which is hurt. That's their yeah. DP. But Seattle, what is going on there? What is going? They need to figure out offense. They're an old team. I think. I think it's. I think it's finally happened. They're just old, and it's finally catching up with them because they just look slow. I don't know. They have some young guys coming in. They do. But Dempsey's old. Not enough. Ozzy Alonso's getting up there, but he's still an integral part of the team. Chad Chad Marshall's old, but they still have Roman Torres, who's hurt. Who's hurt? Um, I'm a big fan of uh, New Who. At left back, I think he's one of the better in the new leagues. Who? New who? New who? <laughs> I can't spell it, but I can say it. Yeah. Um, they obviously have Jordan Morris when he comes back from injury, but not now. They have yeah. Diego Ladero. They have the Roldan brothers. I'm starting to wonder if Lodero might start thinking, you know, maybe I should just leave. Like, maybe this isn't the place for me. But I'm, I'm just, I, you know, I have no reason to think that, but I, I, it's it's rough it's, there. It's kind of hard to see where what this team's identity is going to be going forward too, because a lot of their cornerstone players are ones that are going to have to be replaced in the next couple of years. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I, that's how I see guys like Alejandro Bedoya who are just looking so incredibly frustrated at the Union. A guy like Ladero, who's not even from America, who's... Who has no loyalty to this team whatsoever, I would think. He's yeah. won MLS Cup there. Like, you can't even say he didn't do anything. You, like. can't, you can't say, like, you can't be mad at him if you, for leaving if you're a Seattle fan. He's done his job. He's done his thing. It would stink because Seattle would really str- struggle without him, but... They, they need to figure Especially something Especially with the owner talking about that they can't be the big spenders anymore. Got a lot of heat for it and had to turn around and be like, oh, well, I didn't mean it like that. I just meant that. And then he was like, I don't know. We, we could spend eight figures on a DP. And I'm like, oh, boy. But it means a different thing now, big spender, than it did 
two when they came into the two league. Theories, when, honestly, what NYCFC and Atlanta have done has really changed the definition of big spender, I think. It has. It has. And so a changing paradigm means that perhaps Seattle will have to find a new identity. Yeah. Well, they have some young guys coming up, but they need to find ways to bring them into the team. Sporting Kansas City 1, Colorado Rapids 0. Despite seven shots on target and basically dominating every facet of this game, Kansas City does wind up getting the one nothing win at home. I, you know, it may seem like an unconvincing storyline against what is still not a great Colorado team. But when you see the seven shots on target, they hit the post four times. It was a pretty dominant victory, all things considered. Yeah, I mean, you're Kansas City. You got the shutout. Which is something they've also struggled to do this season. You've lost Felipe Gutierrez for two to three months, which is going to hurt. Yeah, he, he's been, he was phenomenal when he's playing. But guys are stepping up. Quaze is looking good. Johnny Russell obviously isn't scoring as much as he has been. Well, I mean, that would be, if he kept up that pace, they'd probably be back in England pretty quickly. Yeah, uh, but it's guys like Daniel Shallowy who are stepping up and being really impressive. Uh, Aiko Parra yeah, got me an assist for my good. fantasy team, so he got me some big points. But it's like that whole team is just looking strong. I don't know if you saw the picture of their pregame photo for that game. No. Oh, what, oh, are they like posing? Are yeah, they they're all posing, yep, funny poses and stuff. Like it looks like they're, they're having they're fun loose. out there. They're loose yeah, and they're winning. That's always a good combination. One nothing. You might say, oh, you want more two three nothing, but it's a good result whenever yeah. you get a shutout exactly. and you get a win. All right, let's head over. Chicago Fire hosted Atlanta. Atlanta came in and won 2-1. Uh, the Fire changed up their formation, moved to more of a 4-3-1-2 using Vincent, Lillard, Kapoff, and Ellis as the back line. Collier, McCarty, and Adams kind of as a midfield trio in front of them. Collier kind of worked more with the attack, though, and he made forward runs mm-hmm. while McCarty and Adams were cleaning up behind him. And then Schweinsteiger goes from playing the middle center back in a back three to playing in the attacking midfield role, and then finally they used Katai and Nikolic up top. It was a pretty interesting move to do that, and I think it was working pretty well in that first half. They were getting a lot of pressure on the ball. Yeah, they definitely wanted to get up in Atlanta's defenders' faces because that's, I think we can all agree, it's the weakest point in the Atlanta team. Yeah, it's kind of what Houston um, did in that opening day. They yeah. really pressured them, and they were, but they were able to get the early goals, the difference. Chicago never that's, did. That's, that's a big part to it. it. And it was pretty fluid formation. It looked like a 4-2-3-1 at times even, with Collier moving wide into the attack. Katai can drift wide. Nikolic even would drift wide and pull those center backs out and isolate the, I mean, Parkhurst, 36, isn't exactly a spring chicken. <laughs> you get someone like Katai, even Collier running at him, he, he's going to be in trouble if he's on his own in the middle of the park. Yeah, so but they came out energized then in the second half, Atlanta did, and uh, the Chicago just mm-hmm. didn't seem to find that same you know, intensity that they had in the first, and that's difficult to keep up, especially when halftime comes and you've, you've got a you've cool-down period and now you got to get re you got to get going again. That can sometimes yeah. be tough. And so in the second half, a bad giveaway by Mo Adams led to the first uh, Ezekiel Barco goal in MLS. His first goal, good for him. Yeah. Bad for the fire. Bad for the fire, but, I mean, it's good. You know, it's, it is hard for me now that I'm a much more appreciative fan of the league over the last few years that I'm like, I, it was hard for me not to be like, oh, yeah, good for him. Good, and good then for Barco. Like, like, oh, like, bad oh, for the fire. Yeah. I looked at that goal a couple times, and Atlanta, uh, Almiron's breaking at the defense, and I think the first – uh, reaction. I think it was Ellis and McCarty try to both stop him, and he just splits him perfectly to find Barco, who just gets slots wide open at that point. Yeah, who has that quality to do that? But I can't help but thinking that between Ellis or McCarty, one of them n- needed to know that they had Barco behind them and that he was also a threat. I don't know if that allows Almiron to just drill one or beat him on the dribble. Sometimes it comes down to making the defenders make a decision, and they made a decision, and he responded to it. That's what the good players do. It was, it was a, listen, it was a quality pass. It was a quality it was, finish. 
But this one kind of intrigued me. I was looking back. I was like, like, I, could Sanchez be communicating better, telling one of them, hey, you know, you have Barco on that right side. Don't uh, leave him. Honestly, I wouldn't even go that far into the play. I would honestly go back to when Mo Adams gives it up. Adams has a chance to bring him down. I think you got to bring him down. It's second half. Yeah. You'll, you'll get the yellow card, but you got to bring Absolutely. him down. Absolutely. I'm just Slow looking at down. this from like a, like a goalkeeper's perspective of how can you or- – the giveaways happened. Now how can you organize a team to prevent it? And listen, it's Atlanta. You're going to give up goals. It was a nice goal. But it was. For some reason, it just really intrigued me about, like, I was really looking at analytically on how to stop it. Um, all things considered, nice play from Atlanta, bad play from Adams. Yeah. And, I mean, Almiron had, in the first half, uh, commentary mentioned that he had been, like, having to go pick the ball up. And one of the things the Fires Press had done was not allow them to build from the back. So Almiron was having to go get the ball from the center backs and then push it off the field. So I think it may have played into his advantage a little bit because in the first half he was so used to having to charge at the ball yeah. that when he finally got it, he was like, oh, I'm off, and just took off. And, you know, again, he left Mo Adams, who is still relatively inexperienced, 21 years old. Mm-hmm. He'll learn. Well, I've been impressed by Adams so far. He's done well. Yeah, so then, but four minutes later, this is when things fall apart then because no one tracks Nagby's run in behind and he just lays it off for Joseph Martinez. It's going to be the easiest goal he scores all season. My kind of range there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, it seemed that second. It was just the second half. Something something happened there. They kind of lost the mojo, and and, that, and, and those Atlanta, two goals were backbreaking. Yeah, that, at that point, even at home, it's going to be tough against that Atlanta team to come back from it. So but the thing is, Velko Panovic again, who got his tactics right for the first half. It looks like he just couldn't get the players going early enough in that second half. Yeah. He did make changes after that, and he get a goal thanks to a pretty good volley by Kevin Ellis, who, goal of the week candidate. Not exactly a guy who you <laughs> probably the last guy in the team you'd expect to pull something like that. I tell you what, I think the only one, the only exception would have been Lillard. If Lillard pulled yeah. that out, I probably would. Have <laughs> Lillard probably over. the last option, but Ellis, a guy yeah. who wasn't even really Close a starter second. until a couple weeks ago, and kind of he's moved spot. into that yeah. right back spot. It, it works okay for him again when this team gets pulsed back. He'll slot right back in there, mm-hmm. but Absolutely. I I think it's fine. He he works better. He's kind of defensive, and I, I say that as he scores this worldy. But he's more of a fullback than a wingback. Polster is going to barge forward, get up the wing. Ellis not as much. Yeah, yes. I see that. So you know this is what the good teams do. They they go on the road and they play their game and they they find a way to win. I don't think the Fire will have too much to hang their head about in this one. They they played a fairly competitive game. A couple mistakes. Kind of cost them any chance of points. Yeah, I don't know if that hurts more when you get your. Seems like you get your game plan right, but little you just make these little mistakes. I think you would know thinking back to that Chelsea Barcelona game when you uh, you get just about. Now nah, you got to bring that up too. No, but I mean it's like an interesting thought. Like, is it worse when you get everything right and and then it just you just goes make awry. this like you make this mistake and they just punish you, or is it worse when you just don't have it and you just can't figure it out? I, I think it's better when there's just a little mistake because you know you can just keep doing that and you got your idea right. But at the same time, it's like... It's incredible. You feel so close. It's yeah, so much you more feel, You feel very close. You're right. Yeah. So speaking of close, could Fernando Torres be on his way to Chicago? A lot of rumors out there that El Nino could be making his way to Bridgeview, Illinois soon enough. You think that would be enough to bring the fans in? I At this point, if you can get Fernando Torres, Bastian Schweinsteiger, and then if the rumors are true, they want Casillas too. If you can't get people with that I'm not even sure you'd ever get anybody yeah at that point that's (laughs) about as much but I so it's a a total tickets move I think because the team totally doesn't need a striker yeah I I'm with you on that um I mean, he's, he'd probably be a good addition. He's still it's hard for like me to, he's got some It's some hard for ability. me to argue that he wouldn't help the team. Like, that's ridiculous for me to see that because he still plays well. He's playing for a Europa League side that's usually in the Champions League, and he would still be getting minutes for them 
because you know he, they, yeah. uh, Diego Simeone for all the talk that he and Fernando Torres don't get along, he clearly trusts him. Yeah, absolutely. To put in work and say, okay, listen, you know, Griezmann, Costa, they they can't play. They played Thursday. I need you today. Yeah, and he he does go out there and put in shifts. Um, I, I I've heard that the Fire have discovery rights on him. They do, so they're the only ones like allowed to negotiate with him right now, which is weird. And but they, I can't wait to see who they sell his rights to for some gam and tam. Yeah, but they can They did it with Bedoya. They could sell him, sell their rights to someone else, um, which they may do. They have Nikolic. He's your center striker guy. I think you need a winger. I think you need a creative player. That's just me. I suppose we will see what happens with that. Houston Dynamo hosted the LA Galaxy and won 3-2. It's back-to-back 3-2 losses for the Galaxy, so they continue not being able to defend. And the Dynamo continued their odd trend of beating the bigger teams, the giant killers of the West, if you will. Yeah, it's they're kind of the thing at home, I guess. They 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 a fortress. Yeah, I mean they're they're like the An my, orange uh, fortress. They had like one win on the road last year, so. Uh, they got to do it at home if that's going to be the case. But the Galaxy need to do something. Well, they tied it in the 80th apparently wasn't enough. Oh, no. They, they tied it in the 85th minute, and then they give up the equalizer in the 90th minute. The goal by Memo Rodriguez, a nice header that comes off of, like, a deflection. But I don't know. Uh, at this point, the Galaxy need to defend, and Zlatan's not moving to center back anytime soon. Uh, yeah, I mean, at least that's what we would assume. Uh, yeah, I mean. Well, if you had told me, like, four weeks ago that Schweinsteiger was moving to center back, I'd have laughed at you. So who knows? Yeah, it's. It seems like Siggy Schmidt's trying to do it through different uh, tactical changes. Using a four-four-two, I think, is a good way to kind of defend in a block of eight. But even that really hasn't. It's clearly not helping. They've lost successful. their. They lost their right back. He's going to be out a little while. Rolf Felt Fulcher. Yeah, Fulcher. He's going to be gone a while. It looked like they were uh, in in talks to bring in a new right back. Um, so, I mean, again, the, the window's closed, so it had to wait until the summer. But they, they're going to need to figure some things out. Uh, and Maybe they'll time. bring in Victor Moses. <laughs> we trying to offload him? Uh, I wouldn't say that. He finally had a good game, but maybe his value is as high as it ever would be. So high. Yeah, so high. Always so high. Uh, the San Jose Earthquakes, zero. Portland Timbers get a, get a road win thanks to their one goal. It's three straight wins for the Timbers, but I think the bigger story here is what the San Jose midfielder had to say after the game. Florian Youngworth. The other teams are smarter, look more experienced. It's too naive. It's nothing to do with men's soccer. It's youth soccer, what we play, to be honest. Wow. Oof. I mean, listen, I, when I watched this guy play, he, he puts it all out there. He's a hard worker. He got those two goals against— He brings his lunch pail to work. Yeah. He's a dirty, <laughs> gritty guy. He, uh, he got the two goals at the end against Orlando. That didn't really mean anything. But I, he's got a point here. There's still a couple teams in the league that really aren't— on the same level as everyone else, and San Jose is one of them. I mean, you can go on. We can make a list of how many teams we think are on the next level, but there's certainly stuck a team. in 2.0. Yeah, they're they're a t- they might even be stuck in 1.0. I mean, they got brought in a guy like Youngworth. They brought in some guys, uh, but I, you know, there's there's something that needs to be. They uh, fired their coach. Uh, they brought in a new one, and that's still not doing the job. So something's going on in, in California over there. I don't know what the answer is. I mean, they they look bad. Yeah, they're they not just, looking There's just it. nothing exciting. You know, Except that 1-1 one, one draw against the Union, of course. <laughs> At this point, I am convinced that I could bring, like, my youth team in against the Union, and it would be a get-right game for my youth team. <laughs> Ouch. I'm just saying, I, I don't want to sit here and, like, you know, bash the earthquakes for minutes on minutes. But, I mean, they had chances, and they lose on a, br- a beautiful free kick by Diego Valeri in the 88th minute. 
really not. They much haven't won in seventh that. matches. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, I don't know if this as much as here's the thing, right? Like Portland, they have the quality where if you give them that one chance, Fileri is going to put it away. Adi is going to get on the end of something. But I when you I mean like the San Jose team, they should have that quality, but we're, we can't say that about them. I mean, Magnus Eriksson's been pretty good for them. Uh, Vaco up top has been, you know, pretty exciting. But where, where's the end product? It, it doesn't exist right now, and they're going to need to find something because it's miserable. Yeah, they they might end up being the uh, the minnows of the West. It looks like right now. Yeah, well, we'll see. Still above uh, Seattle for now. <laughs> Having <laughs> played one more game though. The minnows. So, yeah, uh, Orlando City three, Real Salt Lake one. The only game on Sunday. No national TV on Sunday this week for some reason. Not sure why. Oh, soccer Sunday hurt my yeah. soul. All right, what was I supposed to do with my time? Uh, six in a row now for the Lions as they continue to conquer anyone that comes their way. But apparently Emmett is still a hater. Well, hold on. Based on hold their on, upcoming schedule. So. Yeah, we, we did talk about this uh, over text after the game. I was talking about how I was really impressed with them, but I had to throw but, in a but. Of, as of usual. I always have to throw in a but. Their next upcoming games, it just doesn't look to me like that they're in a great position moving forward. Uh, it, so, right, so of the top, the, the games they've played, the only real top team that I can point out that they've played is New York City FC, and they lost 2 nothing. Next, they are at home to Atlanta, which is kind of like their big rivalry game. So Yeah, that'll be big. Th- that'll be a huge game for them. Then they go to Toronto, who it seems is starting to figure things on out. On a short after week? The, yeah, on a, on a short week. Then they have to come to the... Oh, actually, no, they're going, we're going to Orlando. Then they host the Fire. <sighs> That's going to be a tough one. And then they go to New York... And then they're at New York City FC. So the Fire is their easiest game in that stretch. I think it's yeah. fair to say. T- yeah. Toronto, NYCFC, <laughs> Atlanta... Then they go to Vancouver, and, you know, their, their schedule changes a little bit from there. Three uh, straight games against uh, Canadian teams. That's interesting. Uh, at yeah. Vancouver, at Montreal, then, a, like, a week off, then and they get to play at Mont- Orlando. They play Montreal, Montreal directly after Montreal again. That's Vancouver, annoying. Montreal, Montreal. The Union did that against Columbus last year in the same week. That's <laughs> so annoying. Like, it was, like, a Wednesday, Saturday. Mm. It, this is the same thing. Wednesday, June 13th, at Montreal, Oh, no, well, it's Saturday, not the same week, but it's like it's back. Oh. It's back to back. That's and then they're at Atlanta. I would be furious. At LAFC, home to Toronto, at Columbus. So it's not getting any easier is what you're saying. It's not getting easier. Listen, they've been good. I, I'm, I'm more convinced now. This The way their team is looking now. Did the league get so good that I'm like, man, this is a tough schedule. Like, can you imagine a couple years ago going through someone's schedule and being like, oh, yeah, they have like 12 tough games in a row? No, it's, well, it's the it's the parity thing in some regards, and in another regard, it's the parity is disappearing, and these top teams are so much more difficult. I mean, like they beat like Real Salt Lake, Colorado, San Jose, the Union, and a struggling Portland before that, at barely at the end with a penalty. Comeback kids, like yeah, like they, they were been, down one nothing in this one too. They've been good. Salt Lake. Yeah, exactly. They they really were, and it's it's shown good. I think it's good coaching from Christ. He's gotten the team under control. They do come back. They have the energy to fight back. But we need to see this in their upcoming fixtures. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, we wanted to shout out Yashmir Yotun, for, again, for his uh, Hall of Fame-worthy name. But also, he's been a force. He's been a great midfielder. Yeah, they, with along with Christian Iwata, like this, they've, they've been remarkable there. And, of course, Dom Dwyer, six goals. And it's favorite striker in MLS. He, uh, when I look at his goal... 
I, it's it's all Sasha Claus. <laughs> oh you gotta take all credit oh from Don Oh my goodness! No, okay. but he, he really does seem at home in Orlando. Yeah, uh, it's I, working for him there. The change of scenery seems to have done him some good, even though he was killing it in Kansas City before. Yeah, but when I looked at his Kansas City stats, I don't think he really exceeded 14 goals on any occasion. You have to, might have to check me on that, but he he wasn't like he was bagging in 20 goals like some guys like David Villa, Sebastian Giovinco have been doing. So he, he's looked really strong right now, but that cross from Kleshin was beautiful. He really has been, I think, the most influential part addition that team has made. Yeah, ever since they got him into the lineup, it looks like they've really That seems to be the it. thing that kind of turned it around for them. Yeah. All right, uh, we'll move on to what I didn't think we'd be talking about in May, but apparently the U.S. men's national team just just won't go away. So the, <laughs> the, the official announcement came out that the Copa America field will be including 12 teams, uh, so the 10 from CONMEBOL, and then Qatar and Japan. Now, that would be ridiculous enough as it is. <laughs> but apparently the U.S. men's national team and the Mexican national team, so apparently double for me, declined invites to the Copa America in 2019. <sighs> I, I'm mad because I don't care. I don't care that it would have been a B squad because I know it would have been. Would have had to be. It would have to be a B squad. It, it wouldn't like, and we'd have our new manager. He'd have to go because the Gold Cup and Copa America are also taking place at the same time next summer. For I don't know why, but they are. So, the, so we would have even had to have sent an assistant manager to go coach them. I don't care. Those play, we need so many games. We just lost out on the World Cup. And we're not going to have any meaningful games until then. You mean to tell me that the B team, even if they go over there and they lose all three games, it would be more beneficial than just having them sit around or some of them making the bench of the Gold Cup and not playing, and then some of them just sitting at home? What? Uh, yeah, there yeah. are people trying to defend this, and I'm, I'm like, I'm blown away is by it, that. Is it the money? Is that what they're trying to defend? Because it's cheaper? Cheaper for who? The U.S. to not send people. Oh, this isn't. Oh man, that, that nobody better say. You that. gotta fly them down. That's a couple hundred <laughs> dollars per ticket. Penny pinching at the U.S. Soccer Federation. Yeah, sure. Why not? I mean, I mean so here, I'm I'm with you on this because look look at the lineups they put out recently. Most of those guys have under five caps. Exactly. So a lot of them have their first caps. What a great experience it would be for these guys and guys that you haven't got a chance to cap yet to get a cap at the yeah. at the Copa exactly uh, the, uh, the Copa, yeah, America. Copa America. Against top t- uh, competition, exactly. the is there teams, any better there will chance? Be a teams in that tournament. No, instead, let's just let's not do it. Now, the only let's reason, play the only yeah, oh, good. oh, they're expanding the gold cup. I didn't even know that. It's just expanding to sixteen teams. I was I was like, oh my goodness me, they're expanding it, and they're still. So I mean, they get to bring in more refs. <sighs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> anyway, the only reason that I've like that I've like not just gone to the U.S. soccer headquarters here in Chicago and like protested outside by myself is that the Copa America is moving to the same year as the European Championships next cycle. So in 2024, it will be in that same year. So I'm I'm guessing, I'm still giving them, I don't know why I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt, but I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt that the next time they'll get invited and they won't turn it down. Because then there'll be no reason to, because there'll be no Gold Cup that summer. They'll probably get the FIFA, like, uh, I don't what am I looking, the word I'm looking for here, like the approval to send teams mm-hmm. as like you know, so have players released for the official tournament so that they can send the A squad. But that's still a long time away, 2024. Yeah. <laughs> so six there, years. There you go. So um, yeah. Mexico also declined it, which is actually more baffling and I should probably be madder about that one, but they're more frequent visitors to that competition too. Not even more frequent. They've literally been in every single one since like the early nineties. 
So, yeah, more frequent. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to make it a point. It's not just it, frequent. They're literally in the it's, tournament. It's really ubiquitous for them. Ha- yeah. It's got to be some sort of thing going on. Something. Something behind the scenes. I, well, maybe. I was thinking maybe CONCACAF and COMEBOL weren't getting along or something ridiculous. But that doesn't make any sense either because they're still talking about having, like, a joint competition between the country, like, the, between the continents. And I, the big thing for... Conmebol, I think, has is Mexico and America. That's where they make. They get a lot of money for that. And now I know Qatar definitely made up for it. I know they paid their way into this thing. Big so, monies. Yeah, big money was made from Qatar, Japan. I guess I, I, I know they have money. I'm not trying to say this is some like you know random uh, Asian team that just like you know they didn't they didn't invite team. like Miramar to this. Yeah, but Qatar <laughs> is kind of in the same boat almost, right? Yeah, like a kind of a random. Well, no, team. but I know they have money. Like I'm J- talking, Japan, Japan has a rich. Well, yeah, a rich, relatively rich, you know, good economy. culture. Yeah, a good yeah. economy. They have money to contribute. I'm just saying, like... Is like, Iniesta going to Japan? Yeah, Iniesta is going to Japan, apparently, which so, is interesting. And Japan goes a decent amount to the uh, the Copa America, too. They've been there before, they've which is... Before. So, uh, I don't... Mexico's even more baffling, just because, like, there's a rumor out there that I saw that Televisa, one of the big TV companies down there, they own, like, half the teams in Liga MX... Conflict of interest? Conflict. You you don't know the half of it. Uh, They basically told the Mexican national team not to go because they don't own the rights to show that tournament. Now, I don't know how true that is. That sounds like a crazy rumor. I'm buying it, but I'm all aboard. But it's Liam Mackey's, and I'm willing to believe it because things are so wild down there. I love being a good conspiracy theory. I'm on board. All right. So there you go. We will be looking forward to the Copa America next year. Despite having Mm. any North American... That's fine. I'll root for Qatar to win it. <laughs> underdog story of a lifetime. Oh, my goodness. I think they're bigger underdogs than Jamaica. <laughs> yeah. In Jamaica. Oh, boy. Anyway, let's jump over to that Europe that we were talking about earlier. We wanted to congratulate Porto on winning the Portuguese Primera Liga. Porto, if you're listening, way to go. Congratulations. I, I watched their trophy celebration on Gold TV in standard definition. My, how the mighty have fallen. <laughs> uh, here's a fun one. The Copa de France final is currently going on, uh, and it's... PSG, no surprise there, right? Mm-hmm. Against a third division side in Herbier. That was great. That was a great pronunciation. I, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's right. I, man, what? Like, how does that even happen, right? Let's, make an, let's hear an ESPN 30 for 30 out of this Le Herbier side. Uh, I'm like, it's like, now I did see their like run into the tournament, and it's uh, it's like it's. I don't think they beat a single league side to get in, which is pretty crazy to think about. A lot of, I'm, yeah. So, but PSG, on the other hand, took down, like, three or four. I don't know how that draw works, like, if they do that on purpose or what, but, like, that's pretty crazy. There's no rhyme or reason to it, but it, it's it's an, it's a cool story. Yeah. Uh, it's like the, 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 the income of the whole city that they're from could pay Neymar's contract for, like, two days, I think they said. <laughs> <laughs> They're playing against him, but but I it's also that. zero zero by the way. Seven minutes in, the dream <laughs> they is still haven't scored. Failure from Lear, from Lerbier <laughs> for not scoring yet. But I mean, this is kind of why PSG can't be taken seriously because they get to their League Cup final. This is the League Cup, right? Well, no, this is their like domestic cup. This is the domestic big, bigger cup. one, I guess I should say. This is like the FA Cup. Yes, the FA Cup, the Copa del Rey, the DFB mm-hmm. Pokal. So, but. This is why you can't take them seriously. Playing layer beer. <laughs> Think about what's the chance of MK Dons playing Wigan? Yeah. Well, now Wigan. Wigan was a Premier League team. They've had the resources, but like, what's it, what's the chance of like one of these teams making it to the final? Uh, little to none. Yeah, I agree with that. It's. Uh, I mean, like until PSG does anything in Champions League, I don't think there's a reason for. 
us to be taking them as seriously as other leagues. I, I hate to say not it. Not only that, not only that. This is a third division team, and I've just looked at the table. They sit thir- the Les Herbiers sit thirteenth out of seventeen in Division Three. Again, in the relegation they're, zone. They are very close to the relegation zone. But they're, they're one point out of it. Oh my <laughs> goodness! They could get relegated and win the Copa de France. Oh, please let that happen. Does this mean they get a Europe uh, European? Yes, they would go to the Europa League in the fourth division of France. Where is ESPN? They need a 30 for 30 on these guys. <laughs> that is awesome. Well, with ESPN Plus, maybe. Uh, we were keeping an eye on Serie A, but it looks like that's all but a formality at this point. As Napoli drew 2-2 with Torino, while Juve defeated Bologna 3-1. Oh, come on, man. Even over this. <laughs> <laughs> just, just for you. Opening a six-point gap between the two clubs. Uh, the tiebreakers, in case you're wondering, in Serie A are as follows, because there's two games left for both teams. It's head-to-head records. They both have 1-0 wins against each other away, ironically, which is kind of weird. It's not like the MLS. People, teams can win away. Yeah. And then goal difference of head-to-head games, well, zero for both, obviously. And then the third one is goal difference overall. Juve have plus 61, Napoli have plus 45. It's, so, a, it's a little hopeful to think that it's going to come to a tiebreaker. Juve losing. I'm not saying it's coming to a tiebreaker. I'm just, like, letting people know, like, it's a formality now. Like, yeah. The fact that it's not been decided and given to Juve is just because. The tiebreaker hasn't been decided. Next next week. It will be over for sure. We'll, There's we'll, no we'll see Juventus celebrating. It was a good run while it lasted for Yeah, Juve Napoli. now can entirely focus on achieving another double as they take on AC Milan in the Coppa Italia final tomorrow. You can watch that on Gold TV, standard definition. Wonderful. Wonderful. Is it on the app? Is it on the app? What app? No, it's on Gold TV app. There, man, if there is, I don't know where it is. <laughs> where you would get it. Okay. And then over to Spain. Oh, Classico. That, Big one. That was fun to watch. It was fun. This game, those and that wasn't just because so of Ray Hudson. No. Usually it's just because of Ray Hudson. Oh, Ray Hudson is always on his game. But, you know, Messi and Ronaldo both score. Ronaldo did have to get subbed off at halftime, you know, for the dramatics of it, of course. Yeah, well, he got, he's got his goal. He all did right. get his goal. Uh, I hope he's all right. Like, you know, all seriousness. He's good for the world of soccer. He's fun to watch. He gets goals. And not only, well, not only that, but, like, you know, World Cup's coming up this summer. They got the Champions League final here in a couple weeks. You so. want to see him in these, ga- in these I, games. Nobody wants to see Real Madrid and Portugal without him. Like, that's just... It's you, not... Yeah. The only people that don't want him are the people in Portugal's group and then Liverpool fans. But I think that, even, that even if understand. you are those people, like, you oh, don't I'm, want I'm that... Tot- nope, I'm totally okay with that. Oh, come on. You don't want that I don't, I'm not wishing injury, and I hope he does play it, but I'm like, I'm just saying... You re- be, you're saying you're relieved. I would be... if it was, You're okay with him not playing. I would be very okay. If I was a Liverpool fan, I would, like... I'd be, you know, praying to witch doctors and whatever, because... It's worked in the past. It's worked. It has worked in the past. Uh, Sergio Roberto... Interesting story for him. He assists on Luis Suarez's goal that opened the scoring, and then he gets himself sent off at the end of the half for swiping at Marcelo. What are you doing? Uh, he... Getting in a fight in a classic. You know what? Barcelona never gets anybody anybody sent off. They went, like, years without a red card, I think. Fun fact, the last red card from a Barcelona player? Sergi Roberto. Wow, <laughs> In clearly. the Clasico. Yeah, no, because... Clearly I think he it's... can't handle the, the stress. Uh, the, yeah, they uh, Real has five red cards in however many last Clasicos, and uh, Barcelona's two, both Sergio Roberto. Ramos, of course, has like three. <laughs> uh, yeah, Ramos this is uh, another guilty offender, but not today. Or well, not, not on Sunday. Yeah, not, not, not this time around. But Roberto looked like, it was like a pretty obvious lash out, despite the fact it didn't look like he really... I don't think he connected with him entirely, but let me be honest with you. You swing at the other player. You're getting a you red make card. The, you make the referee make the decision. All the ref sees is you swinging at him. I saw the swing, I'd give him a red card. Yeah, seriously. There's just there's no excuse for and it. And people I... are like, oh, VAR. Well, VAR would have helped Real Madrid even more because Marcelo was so fouled by Alba in the second half. I don't know what he saw. 
Like he clearly just kicked him straight in the straight in the shin. Come I, I, on. From what it looked like, seeing the replay in slow motion over and over, the fact that Alba pulls out of the challenge at the end, I think that's what the referee saw. And my thought. dad saw the same thing. My dad yeah. literally is like, "Look at how quick he is too. He knows he fouls him, so he immediately pulls, he pulls his leg out." Yeah, I, I mean. I, I mean, you can hate Jordy Alba as much as he wants, but he's a pretty good and clever player oh, yeah, for all things is. considered. He is. Uh, my favorite Ray Hudson line from this game. Uh, it was on Gareth Bale's goal to tie the game 2-2, and he's got the chromosomes of a Bengal tiger. Are you going to do the accent? I can't do the You can't accent. do the Georgie accent? No, no way. I would be doing it no justice. <laughs> I'd like to hear it someday. Maybe not on the air. Maybe not on the air. I feel like that may be a little disrespectful to the, to the great Ray Hudson. And finally, we'll finish up in England, uh, where the crazy finish is on the way this weekend, uh, Championship Sunday. All the games across the networks of NBC, so you can actually watch all 10 games if you wanted to. If you have enough devices. Well, yeah, if you have enough devices and a cable subscription that includes things like the Olympic Channel. And you know what? I'm going to take this chance to bash the NHL. Their playoffs had to be on, they had two games on the Golf Channel. I see no games on the Golf Channel here. So he's telling me that. NHL is close enough to golf, but soccer isn't. It makes sense. They have the sticks. I don't. I, I don't they, think they it's probably, they probably thought they're kind of similar shapes. Someone mentioned that there's like a European tour event happening that day, so they can't like. They, they can't they give can't, soccer. They can't put space. a soccer game on there. They have it like on the Olympic Channel. They have it on Oxygen Bravo. Love the Oxygen Channel. I mean, the golf channel. <laughs> after all we've been through, <laughs> you're gonna do us like this. Oh man, no, I don't want the games there. It's. What, really? On the golf channel? Uh, yeah, I want to hear like, a, a quiet announcer. There's not going to happen. It's and just going to be the up, world feed. It's like MSNBC, around. CNBC, yeah. USA, Sci-Fi, obviously the regular Interesting, NBC. though. That's, it's a really, it's a, it's a fun experience. I love that. Yeah. I love it's that. It's a fun thing going on. Uh, even even with the NBC Gold, I'm glad they didn't ditch it, yeah. too, by the way, because I, I thought for sure they might with, like, and just say, nope. Yeah, so it's N- NBC, NBCSN, Oxygen, CNBC, the E Network, USA, MSNBC, Olympic Channel, Bravo, and Sci-Fi. Sci-Fi one. What game is played on Sci-Fi? They haven't announced it yet. I'm guessing they're <laughs> waiting. They're, I, they have it like in priority. Like they put the most important games on like NBC, yeah. NBCSN, and then they just kind of go down the list. But this year might have more than ever. Because, the, I mean, so we'll talk about There's it. some games in the line here. We're, we're talking about networks. We're not even talking about the games. Uh, you know, Derek Grammer, who we had on the show a few weeks ago, who gave Almost his last Almost had him on crime, this time around. Had him pleading and begging for his team to turn it around Stoke City, are officially going down. While West Brom, a team we all left for dead, is still alive, if only just barely. They need that some game's results. going on, too, by the way. Swansea and Southampton. That's a big relegation battle. It is. And that for West Brom to stay up. They need that game to end in a draw. It's the only chance. It's 0-0. 40 minutes in. We're almost to halftime, and we're still going. <laughs> West Brom's watching this game with particular interest. Yeah. So in order to survive, like I said, they'll need that game to end in a draw. Then they'll need to win against Crystal Palace. Doable. And hope mm-hmm. Southampton lose to Manchester City. Well, Doable. Yeah, very doable, especially since City probably going for the points record and goals. Who knows? They might try to go for that, too, yeah, especially after a 0-0 draw with Huddersfield. Put on the pain. Yeah, and then Swansea to lose to Stoke City. So that last one might be a little rough. Swansea's going to be fighting for their lives. And Stoke is going to be. Stoke is on the beach already crying about having to play their games on ESPN Plus next season in the championship. <laughs> 
Uh, we have to talk about at some point what's going to happen to these Stoke players because they got some quality on that team. They do. Some of them, no way. A lot of them, they're going to have to go. A lot of them, I think. A lot of them are going to get the boot. Not the boot. But well, <laughs> they're going to want the money. <laughs> they're going to give them the boot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, David Wagner's Huddersfield Town still not safe either. They'll have to two matches left against Chelsea, who need to win to keep their own Champions League hopes alive, and Arsenal in Arsene Wenger's final game at the club. So not a not a pleasant run here for Huddersfield either. They're definitely not safe. Uh, a point will save them. Uh, after they scraped a 0-0 draw against City, pretty impressive. Yeah, they're, they're holding on. So Southampton and Swansea City's matchup kind of looms large. They would also prefer a draw, limits the amount of points that both teams will have. Yeah. But I, they, mean, they'll, they'll need some, I think they're going to need something out of one of these games, and uh, preferably not the Chelsea one because I do want to see Wagner's team stay in the Premier League. But they're gonna, Chelsea's going to have to win that game like 7-0 because goal difference. I mean, either way this, either way this happens, like bet- between... Southampton, Swansea, and Huddersfield, a team is going to be heartbroken and go down after fighting it to the very end. Yeah, that's so true. It's, it's been a while since a lot of these things came to the final day. So, yeah. So, I mean, West Brom, that one could be very exciting. It's not as, a, it's not as much of a guarantee as this, these, those last three. That's going to be a last day type thing. Yeah. Even if Swansea pull out a win against Southampton today or Southampton pull out a win against Swansea, there's, it's still going to come down to the very end. The Champions League, meanwhile, still have undecided spots. Chelsea can still steal a spot by winning their final two games against Huddersfield and Newcastle and then having Tottenham lose one of their two final remaining matches against Newcastle and Leicester City or by having Liverpool fail to win against Brighton. That all thanks to Chelsea's win on Sunday against Liverpool. I know you want me to pull for Chelsea here, but... I don't need you to pull for Chelsea. I just need you to congratulate me if it does happen. If it does we, happen, we come for the celebration because that's going to be. A I'll monstrous. be at the parade. Yes. Um, I, I don't think they're going to make it. I don't think West Brom is going to make it. Um, I don't th- know. Those last games aren't that hard yeah. for Liverpool and Tottenham, and I don't see a reason for them not to play, basically a full strength lineup. Well, of course they're going to play full strength lineups, but it's Tottenham, and it's Liverpool for that matter. Both teams look. Liverpool have been pretty miserable in the league recently. They look. They look like they're running out of gas. Liverpool. They need now. They do need. I think that it may help them in the end because now they need to be sharp in that game on Sunday against Brighton because their Champions League hopes could mm-hmm. very well depend on it in a situation that I think a couple weeks ago we all would have laughed at. Yeah. Uh, it's I, we'll it's it, it'll be exciting again. It's, it's going to come down I'm, to the end. I'm, I'm excited for it. If, if Chelsea can get the the, the che- first win, Chelsea going to need to beat Huddersfield for sure. I I would think that they should be able to. Huddersfield is going to be playing for their lives. Is the only problem, but. Huddersfield are going to play for a draw. It's, you know. Yeah, they need they need the point. But, you know, Chelsea did kind of beat them down earlier in the season. And Chelsea's other thing, too, is if if Spurs tie and win a game, they'll end up even on points. Now, Spurs have the, have the goal difference by nine right now. That's pretty unreasonable, but I'm just – if Chelsea I'm, – if I'm Antonio Conte and it's like 3 nothing at half, I'm telling – I'm saying let's, yeah, let's go. More. Let's get some because who knows? Like, who knows how many you could get against a team that will be like, oh, man, now we okay, well, let's just live to fight on Sunday. Huddersfield? Yeah, Huddersfield. Well, on the, okay. other, on the other hand, Huddersfield is going to say, okay, let's let's also get up. We need to get three goals. Let's just go for it. It could end up just being an end-end game. <laughs> Can you imagine? 7-7. <laughs> oh, that would That's good for Huddersfield. Who am I kidding? <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, well, it's going to be really interesting. It's going to be a loaded show next week. we got an FA Cup to preview. we got a whole fallout in England 
from all these Champions League yeah. games, from all these Champions League places, and the relegation battle. Might have to be two shows next week. Well, you never know. People never got know. some stuff on, in, the, in yeah. the books. You yeah. never know what's going to happen. We'll it's, keep you updated. It's always quantity over quality here on the American Soccer Show. Oh, every single time. So, speaking of quantity over quality, it's time to close things up. 16 freaking games this week. Pretty sure every team's playing at least once. I didn't, I mean, I just saw 16 games and I, like, I'm assuming everyone's going. It, from what I've seen, I couldn't pick one out, one team. Maybe it's like a team that slips under the radar. I but do yeah. it every week. I, ju- I do it myself. I don't even go and look. I, like, look on the schedule and try to figure out who it is. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure everybody's there, so... Good for them. Uh, National TV games, Wednesday night, tomorrow night. Make sure you watch this one, 7.30 Eastern, FS1, Toronto FC hosts Seattle Sounders, MLS Cup rematch, perhaps. Who would have thought it would be the basement bowl, the toilet bowl? Toilet, I was going to say toilet bowl, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, like two teams towards the bottom. But we're seeing Toronto kind of trend upwards. Seattle. It's going to be big for them. It's, yeah. yeah. And then Saturday, 3.30 FC Dallas hosts the LA Galaxy on Univision and Twitter, where Emmett got a shout-out a couple weeks ago. I'm have to go back audit and try to get it again. Another chance for Dallas against an L.A. team, this time at home against the struggling Galaxy. Yep. And then Sunday, 4 p.m., Portland Timbers versus Seattle Sounders on ESPN. Seattle double-dipping on national TV. But I think this is more down to kind of the context than their actual ability. You got yeah. the, MLS, the MLS Cup matchup, rematch, two years in a row. Playing again, and then, of course, the, the Cascadia, big, 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 massive rivalry. And apparently rivalry. the 100th edition between the two teams. So, even bigger. Yeah, there you go. 6 p.m., Orlando City versus Atlanta United. Big southern rivalry game. Oh, yeah, I'm Opposite ready. side of the continent? Yeah. Yeah, that's going to be exciting. I'm going to tune into that one. And then at 8.30, double header FS1, LAFC versus NYCFC. Oh, this is going to be an awesome week. <laughs> excited. Listen to that. LAFC versus NYCFC, the big spenders. Coming in. Coming at it head-to-head. David Villa versus uh, Carlos Vela. Latif Blessing versus Jesus Medina. Sean <laughs> Johnson versus Tyler Miller. Tyler Miller all the way. Yes. My, so that's <laughs> my matchup of the week. I'm not, even, I'm, not, I'm not trying to pick another cute game. That's it right there. Yeah. I don't know. I'm going to go with Orlando Atlanta. Orlando, Atlanta. Oh, that's going to be a good one, too. ATLs looks like they're back at their best. Orlando is as hot as they can possibly ever be, winning six in a row. I, I honestly, this could be, there could be at least four goals in this game. If anything less than four goals, I will be surprised, because these are two very attacking teams. All right, one last score update before we go. Halftime at Swansea City, Southampton, still 0-0. My Air Bears and PSG, it's still 0-0, 21 minutes in. Gripping stuff. Gripping. Stay tuned. Stay tuned to that one. Go watch it. That's it. That's, uh, that's all the time we have here on the American Soccer Show. Thanks for tuning in and listening. Don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher for all your American soccer talk. Until next week, I'm Emmett McConnell alongside Eric Alcantor signing off.